The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Episode 22, The Life-Changing Magic of a Shopping Ban. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Hello, friends. I am Jen. And I'm Jill. And we're so excited today to have my friend Kate Flanders on uh, to talk about our Frugal Friends Book Club book, the Year of Less, uh, and some other stuff that our listeners wanted to hear about. So before we get into that, let's get into our sponsors because we're trying something a little different because that's our prerogative. We can do that. Uh, so our first sponsor today is not an official sponsor, but also not a made up sponsor. Whoa. New territory. Right. Uh, So we are big fans of CookSmarts. It's a meal planning service and they provide four meals per week, uh, the ingredients list, the recipe, and they have regular gluten-free, paleo, vegetarian versions. And they are actually doing a sale through September 26th. Uh, for 20% off paid meal plans. Uh, But they always do three free meal plans for your first time. So I advocate doing your own meal plans traditionally. But this is my favorite service uh, for for seasons where I just can't. Like I don't have time to meal plan. (laughs) Like my Sundays are redonkulous. And so I've used CookSmarts in those seasons. And it's really helped. They have instructional videos um, for when there's like questionable things like... I had a how to make wontons video for a wonton recipe, and I would have never known. Like I would have had to Google it, but it was right there <laughs> in the app. Yeah, so it's it's a fantastic service. They do um, like weekend prep for which is I highly recommend. And who can say no to three free meal plans? You don't even have to sign up for the service to get those. Um, but if you do, um, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash cs like Cooksmarts. And if you make a purchase, you will help support the podcast. So again, non-official sponsor, um, but super helpful and on sale. Uh, and you can help the podcast if you pay. So love it for no extra charge to you. That's great. Also, in the spirit of minimalism, this podcast is sponsored by nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. We are sponsored by nothing. Um, so buy nothing. Spend nothing. Have nothing. <laughs> no, have something. Keep the things you have. But don't spend don't spend it. Spend nothing. Buy nothing. Nothing. Try it out. Oh gosh, we're 22 episodes in and our imaginations have ended. We've we're done. <laughs> nothing. We've yeah. got nothing for you. Well, yeah. beyond that, we had to bring on Kate so that we could have a podcast for you since our minds have quit working. So we hope that you enjoy our podcast with Kate Flanders. Kate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been so excited for your book for so long uh, that I knew when we decided to do a Frugal Friends book club. Your book was how I wanted to set the tone. It was like a great introductory to how we want to do the book club. 
Um, and I'm glad we did because there's so many people in our Facebook group saying your book like finally convinced them to pursue minimalism uh, or they've like read or listened to it multiple times. So we are so honored to have you today. Oh my gosh, thank you. And that is so sweet of you to say and just to share kind of what's been going on in the Facebook group. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, I also so appreciated reading your book. And one of the biggest reasons why I liked it relates to the difference between being vulnerable versus being exposed. And I feel like you navigated this really well, speaking both candidly about the realities of your experience with the no spend challenge, but also maintaining yourself in the process. So kudos and thank you because it was, um, yeah, quite revealing, but also you maintained your dignity in the midst of it, which it was refreshing. Oh my gosh, that's like such amazing <laughs> feedback. And I don't I don't know if I've heard that exactly. People just say things like, um, you know, thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for being raw and honest. But that's really cool feedback to hear because I think it was important to me, not even just like my own dignity, but um, sort of keeping people's privacy a little bit. Like I shared obviously little details of people in my life, but I didn't go too far deep because it just didn't feel like that was my story to tell. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Just thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) I loved that as well. And, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, your story and your book is so, I think what we're trying to, it's the type of vulnerability that we're trying to like cultivate in our community uh, and not just like vulnerability for vulnerability's sake. I, mm-hmm. I can't take that. I can't say that 10 times fast, but like a real, um, I don't know. I just loved how you put it. And I'm so thankful to Hay House that they let you write the book the way that you did because I, I felt like it was perfect. Oh, I mean, you and me both on that one, because I honestly think the book wouldn't have happened if Hay House didn't say that. Mm. Um, It was really interesting to sort of go through that whole process of pitching a book proposal and then hearing back from publishers and every single one's feedback was either there are too many books about minimalism, which I don't necessarily disagree with, (laughs) uh, but but sort of said there are too many books about it already. Um, or like, it's a good idea, but we would rather it be a how to, and I'm like, I don't know how to write a book about how to not shop. Like that would literally be one page. Like do not shop. I I don't know what else (laughs) you're supposed to say. Yeah. So, and Hay House is just like, no, yeah, you can write a memoir. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. And you're such a great storyteller that, I mean, you're not the Mm -hmm. type of person publishing like posts about like 10 ways to do so-and-so or X things. I did something, something like you are a storyteller. And so this really educates through story and, uh, yeah, well, I mean, we could give you like praise for an hour, but <laughs> yeah, let's not we that. invited you to <laughs> ask you some questions that um, our community has, but then also questions that Jill and I have. Um, yeah. So we will start with the questions Jill and I have. Um, so I really am interested in how the second year of the shopping ban with um, and then how your life has been since that. Okay. So year two, it's funny. I actually decided to do it mostly because it didn't feel like it would be hard because it already sort of had this, I don't know, like it just felt like it was part of my life or part of the way that I lived. So I didn't, I didn't need to change many rules or, or much, but one of the things I had regretted not doing during the first year was keeping track of everything that I did buy because I got so many weird questions around what the shopping ban really meant. Like so many people just heard those words and trust me now, I like wish I had rebranded it or like was just better at branding because I'm the worst, (laughs) but but they just heard those two words and assumed it was going to be this like incredibly restrictive thing that meant you couldn't buy anything ever again. 
And I bought stuff that year. It was really just learning how to only buy things when I needed them rather than constantly like buying things ahead of time when you make that assumption of I'm going to need this one day or I might need this one day. Um, And so I still bought things. So I, I just thought, you know, maybe I'll do it for another year and I'll actually keep track of that stuff. And and again, saying like it, it was not um, earth-shattering information by the end of it, but like I knew the weirdest things, like how many sticks of deodorant I used that year, or <laughs> tubes of toothpaste, or just like little things like that. And again, that's not super interesting, but I think with anything that you know, with money, tracking, spending, anything mm-hmm. like that, like once you kind of know those numbers about yourself personally, it can help you or like stop you from making a lot of impulse purchases. Even just for like simple things like those examples, like if you were thinking of buying some deodorant because it's on sale, but if you already had say like one and a half at home and you know, you only use five a year, do you need it right in this minute? Mm -hmm. Like probably not. And so it's such like silly things, but it, it was an interesting experiment for the second year and nothing I can't remember anything feeling really hard. Um, And actually one thing sort of felt like an easy out, which like I never knew this was going to happen, but I've got this email from Penguin Random House in Canada saying that um, they wanted to like send me something or other. And then they basically just for a year added me to this list, I guess, of things they were sending out. So like I think three times that year I got these boxes full of free books (laughs) <laughs> which was just like incredible. Like the note that they left was so nice, but being Aww. like, we don't want, or like, it was really nice. Like kind of like, thank you for being an example of what it means to be like fiscally responsible or something. But like, we don't want you to not read books this year. <laughs> it, was, it was really cute. But, That's so funny. So I did actually, I did actually receive some books that year, but I didn't um, buy stuff. And then the other thing for year two, though, was I realized that I wanted to be able to support my friend's work. So sometimes mm-hmm. that did mean, you know, if I had, a, I, over the past few years especially, have become friends with more and more people who are writing books. And so I'm like, I'm not going to not buy their book. Or I have friends who are amazing artists. And I'm like, if I can support even just buying one piece for like $30, I want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um and so little things like that just sort of changed or like changed the rules, became part of the rules for year two. And, and that kind of stuff is all still true today. I would say like, I'm, I'm still exactly the same. I don't think that I never shop, but I, I don't browse. I buy things when I need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just still very true to the point that it's almost to my detriment sometimes because I've not shopped or like not had that just habit of browsing and looking around for so long now that I'm, I get to this place where all of a sudden sometimes it does feel like, Oh my gosh, like right now, a very specific example is I feel like the clothes I wear on a daily basis right now don't match who I am anymore. Mm. And I've never really thought about that because I don't actually care about clothes as like a trend thing. Mm -hmm. But just realizing like, okay, you know, sometimes these things feel okay, but sometimes I just do feel like I'm a little more grown up now or I am a little bit different and what I'm wearing right now doesn't match that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having these feelings of like, okay, I think it is time to like buy, even if it's just like two things, like buy one or two things that do feel more like me, who I am today, but I hate shopping so much that like I don't even know how to do it (laughs) I feel that too yeah I'll I'll wait until like all of my shoes are worn and then then I'm I haven't been browsing and I just have to go and buy like what's out there because I need new shoes um yeah I totally and I remember actually reading somewhere where you said you wish that you'd called the shopping ban a browsing ban and I thought I loved that phrase Yes, because that is honestly what I have figured out more than anything. Like that year wasn't about not shopping. It was about not looking for more. And that's what browsing is. Mm -hmm. Like browsing, whether it is, you know, the online stores we visit, if you're walking through a mall or through a store, if you are flipping through magazines, scrolling through social media, following whatever kinds of accounts like retailers and stuff like that 
that is all browsing. And the biggest thing I changed that year was like always looking at like what else was out there. And I just learned how to just start just accepting what I had and realized that that was good enough and I didn't need more stuff. Um, but now it is like, I'm like, I do need some things or I just feel this, like I am different. I should, it, it should be okay now to get a couple pieces of clothing that are for new me, like actual yeah. new me, yeah. not, not this perceived one. I want to be like actually who I am today. Yeah. And I just, I don't really know how to shop for her, so. <laughs> but I'll, I'll figure yeah. it out. It's such a first world problem, but I'll figure it out. Oh, but I love that perspective. Mm -hmm. Which, and we'll get to this later when we get to the questions from some of our listeners that they have for you. But I think that what you're describing does speak to that meaning making process and finding what matters in it. Like you said, it's not nothing earth shattering in it, but it often is those little things that become those aha moments for us. Like you're talking about deodorant. That's not earth shattering, but it's, it is changing the trajectory of your life, your habits, you know, the things that are at the forefront of your mind, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I don't buy deodorant, it definitely changes the directory of <laughs> short term life for sure. That's funny. Carrie and I have this running joke that we used to have on the podcast where before we recorded an episode, we'd be like, hey, have you put on deodorant yet today? So that's funny. Yes. That's amazing. That's real support. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, I'm curious. I know you you were vulnerable in your book about some of the different things that this whole process brought up. Were you surprised by any of the peripheral issues or difficulties that the ban surfaced for you? Like, did you anticipate so much soul, soul searching or emotional and mental growth through this? Oh, I never thought it. And I mean, I think that's true of most little experiments that maybe we set for ourselves as we think it's just going to be this little thing. I'm going to, you know, do yoga even just every second day for 30 days or little things like that. You just think it's going to kind of be whatever, a little challenge. And I mean, I think that in the first couple months, it didn't feel huge. I definitely realized I would be changing habits more than anything. Um, but it wasn't really until sort of some bigger things started coming up. So I, in the book, I talk about going through a breakup, which was like, by all means, not the worst breakup I've ever gone through, but it was still one that hurt. And, mm -hmm. and then the hardest part, absolutely that year was finding out that my parents were getting divorced, which just like as an adult child who didn't expect that, like, I mean, I think a lot of people whose parents get divorced, you do expect it. You see it coming. We did not. And so it was really hard for us to sort of understand and then realize you as an adult child have a lot to let go of as well in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, I could obviously never have predicted either of those two things would happen that year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I learned so much about myself and my tendency then when things are hard or feel hard, sad, rejected, whatever, guilt, shame, all kinds of things. Like, I never really realized that I had always tried to numb that, which I think is very human and very normal. And I also think is not something to be ashamed of because it is so normal. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It was just something that year that I was like, I, wow, like I don't, I don't have any of the things anymore that I can really yeah. numb this out with. And yeah. And so I think in not being able to numb out, I really started to see things. And then also came on the other side of it being like, okay, so like I actually felt really hard feelings and then I survived that. So yeah. that's, that's possible too. That was one of my favorite quotes from the book was that I felt things and I kept living. And I think that this shopping ban opened you up to that realization. Like you may have never known that about yourself. And like you say, we all have coping mechanisms. Some are just healthier than others, but to some degree, we need to learn how to cope with difficult circumstances. But I think for you, it seemed that it opened you up to this realization of the resilience that you had within yourself and allowing yourself to feel that and opening up to greater possibilities. So yeah, it just, it, it was amazing to watch you through that process and, and to read through that process. But I think that that was a big realization for me too, is like, okay, like it's painful, but you can keep living in it. But life goes on in the midst of this too. Mm -hmm. 
I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I think, yeah, that's the hardest thing for people because we talk about like no spend challenges um, on this podcast, like trying to kind of gamify spending less. Um, Mm -hmm. And you just like went cold turkey into it. And like all these things, I think one of the advantages I've always seen doing the short ones is that you don't have to feel like when things like this come up, you don't have to feel any like guilt or shame for, for not doing it perfectly. You kind of have an out, Mm -hmm. but like you went through the whole year and all of these things, like these things kept happening and you, it just allowed you to like peel back the layers on anything that could have been an excuse, um, for you and, and just went through and, and I just totally respect you for that. But then I think you're also the best person to ask, like for people that want to do a shopping ban or like have a personality like me, like we're very, very all or nothing. So like shopping Uh bans sound great to me, like no spend challenges, like what's your best advice, um, for somebody that wants to do that? I mean, I think that my first piece of advice is actually usually don't do one. (laughs) Um, Got it. But I say that, I say that though, because like the reason I started the shopping ban was because I had been tracking my spending for the first year of being debt free and I wasn't happy with where my money was going. So every single month at the end of the month, I would look at my numbers and be like, why did I think it was okay to spend the majority of my income this month? Like, why was that okay? And would kind of look at the numbers. I could I could see absolutely where it was going, and I could understand why in the moments I had justified everything. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't actually happy with it. So I would always tell people, don't start with that. Like any change that I have made, um, whether it was getting out of debt uh, or doing the shopping ban, like it came from tracking my numbers first. Like the decision to do it came from tracking my numbers. And just asking myself how I felt about it. So I would say start there because I think we were so quick to think that we can just jump into something and maybe take it on. Um, But those are the experiments. Like if we have kind of no awareness of what was going on in the first place, 
Uh, it's really easy to fail and then feel awful about yourself because you failed. But the better thing is to like, don't jump into the experiment, start learning a bit about yourself first, and then try and create an experiment that might work for you. Yes. Cause I mean, you got out of debt before you even started this. So you were familiar with what it felt like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And to be honest, I mean, this stuff's always in hindsight, but like, it's not that surprising to me that I, the way that I paid off my debt, um, it was so aggressive. Like I was so hard on myself. First of all, like the whole two years I was paying it off. I did not say very nice things to myself about the debt I'd gotten myself into. And so I was super hard on myself. I was very restrictive, like way more than the shopping ban was. I was really restrictive. Um, But then the the other thing that happened during the time I was paying off my debt was that I decided to stop drinking. And so the the two things then, it's not that surprising to me that once I became debt-free, not only did I go back to spending because it's sort of like a a fad diet and then at the end of it, you crash and you gain all your weight back. Like. So at the end of paying off my debt, it was sort of like I had burned out on being that, like, I don't know, frugal. We could call it frugal. <laughs> Just I was so I was so hard on myself, though. Yeah. So it's not that surprising that, like, I went back on it and was like, all right, time to spend again because that sucked. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, and then that because I didn't have drinking, then spending did become a thing. Like it. And the other thing too that always pisses me off—I don't even want to be rude about it—but it just does. Is every so many interviews I do, and I know it wouldn't be with you guys, but so many interviews that I do, they make this stereotype that women are shopaholics. And so the inter- the interview questions I'll get are like, oh, did you consider yourself a shopaholic? And like, what did your shoe closet look like? And I kind of just want to freak out, not from me, but that like we continue to sort of just perpetuate that stereotype and say like, well, this is must be what all women do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had nothing to do with being a shopaholic. And also, though, if you think you are one, that is not bad either. But I just think it was really about realizing that. I I had gone to spending just kind of saying yes to whatever because and then and then numbing myself probably with some spending too because that was at that time what I felt like I had as a coping mechanism um yeah 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 overall what do you think has stuck the most as you look back on the shopping ban there's a lot of realizations that stood out to me from this realization of shopping being something that we bond over in our culture you know we bond over drinking just as much we bond over shopping uh you're talking about spending and mindfulness and pairing the two needing friends in the process that are going to encourage you and not tear you down overcoming the different rationalizations that we can tell ourselves like these are things that stood out to me and I'm wondering and there's far more but I'm wondering what has stuck for you in how you approach your lifestyle now Mm, I think um well based on that year alone I do think Overall, probably the most important one was learning how to do what was right for me, maybe not other people. Mm. And that's very hard. And it continues to this day and just constantly transforms or gets added to different areas of my life. Um, I'm like just or applying it to different areas of my life. Like I just it's not easy to do something that is countercultural, no matter how simple or big. It is. Um, But I think I've learned that when you do listen to yourself and do what is right for you, it will not only help you, um, but it can help some other people, even if it's not the people directly in your life. But I don't know. I think like it, it does model for other people that like it's okay to just trust your gut and do something, do something different, even if it feels scary, because it's still scary. Like no matter what it is, it's, it's scary to do things that are different also because you don't really feel like you have anyone to look at and go, can I do it this way? Like, is it going to work out at the end? Yeah, certainly. Um, Yeah. So with that being said, have you gotten feedback? I mean, now that you have this platform of a book and then, you know, the readers from your blog have, have you received feedback or exciting stories from others about the impact that you've had on them by modeling this? Yeah. I mean, like 
If I'm really honest, I still think to this day, one of the most meaningful emails I've gotten was that um, a woman in California emailed me and said that after reading the book, it finally clicked for her that like why all the reasons she had tried to stop drinking before hadn't worked for her and that she had been, yeah. And that she had been sober since she read the book. Wow. And I think that that, that was probably the most meaningful. So yes, I mean, I hear stories honestly almost every day at this point, like just a message on Instagram or something saying they're either inspired to start one or they've, you know, since paid off maybe a few thousand dollars of debt or something like that. And that's, it feels like incredible. Um, but I, yeah, that story from California, I remember I read it in a coffee shop and I bawled my eyes out. Oh I think my it, was, it came, it came at one of those moments where like, I don't know, like this year has been really weird for me, I will say. And so I think it was just something that I needed to hear in a, in like a, yeah, just keep doing it, keep mm-hmm. doing this stuff and it's, it can mm-hmm. help people. So certainly because in the midst, it's, it's helpful to know that what you have done has created support for others and has provided an avenue for others to do what they want to do. And I think when I read your book, it stood out to me sometimes the ignorance that people can approach these things with, like what you're not shopping, like what that's weird. Now I can't invite you to parties. Now I can't do this or do that. Um, and so it did stand out to me that the necessity for, for friends in it, and that makes me happy because frugal friends, um, <laughs> but it makes me wonder, has it helped you to break down areas of ignorance or approach your support of people? in a different way um, because I know you even had said uh, there were probably times that I convinced my friends to come out drinking with me not realizing what that could mean for them like has this helped shift the way that you approach other people who are making decisions for their lives I mean a thousand percent mm-hmm. um, that year was huge like in, in realizing that and like it was something I don't, honestly don't even think I realized till I wrote the words down that I had absolutely in the past been someone who, you know, if I knew I needed a night out or if I knew I wanted to get high, if I knew anything like you call the friends that, you know, will probably do that with you. Mm. And yeah. And the, and the same goes for shopping. I just hadn't really thought of it that way because like you said, like it's so normal. We don't even realize it. Like we'll talk about some store that's going out of sale or out of business and like everything's on sale and we got to go and see what there is. And just anything. And you, Oh, where'd you get your shoes from? And then you are like, Oh, I got it at this store. They had this great sale. You should go check it out. Like it's so normal. Um, now, I mean, with, with shopping specifically, yes, I'm very careful to specifically things like, I, I hate calling my platform, but like, let's just say like Instagram because I'm pretty visual. So I'm on there a lot. Like if mm-hmm. I go and buy something, I am not going to like take pictures of it and be like, Hey guys, look what I just mm-hmm. got. Because not only because it doesn't really matter, like it doesn't really matter what I just got, but I don't want anyone to think that they need to have what I have. Mm. Um, I've even had weird, like sometimes I'll have someone, um, I'll have the odd picture. I'm like hiking or like, I'm out doing something and there'll be a picture and someone will be like, Oh, what kind of boots are those? Or where's your jacket from? And I don't even respond. (laughs) I don't respond because I'm like, I get it. I get when you like, when you like something, you might want it. But I have just this feeling of like, if you really need it, like they will come into your life. I don't mm-hmm. need to be the person who's telling you to go and buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with friends, like it, it actually happened just a couple of weeks ago. One of my favorite bookstores actually in my hometown was um, closing down and all books were 50% on sale. Now I have a list of like three books that I had been wanting to read. So I was like, I'm just going to go in. If they have those books, I will buy it because that's already on my list of like to read right now. And, and that's like a, a list I keep, like, it's not something from the internet. It's not, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm like, yeah. if they're there, only one of them was there. So yeah. that means that's that I only got the one book. Um, mm-hmm. but I was like, you still have that feeling of, Oh, I should tell so-and-so. Oh, I should, whatever. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, because I don't need that's to just a- make people go buy things. Yes. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't need them to come with me. Like if I need it that bad, I can go alone and shopping doesn't need to be this like social hangout thing we do. 
Um, anyways, what, what were you going to add? No, that's, that's a good point. I realized recently, even separate from reading this book, but when somebody will compliment me on something, I will offer that information almost as a way to say thank I you. Like, oh, I like your shirt. Thing. Oh my word. Thank you. I got it at, you know, wh- wherever I got yes. it. It's like, why did they weren't even asking that? But I was already like, here's the baton to like, go get it yourself. Because I feel and like we it. assume that's what they're asking. Mm-hmm. It's just like natural like sometimes I'll try and stop myself and then I feel guilty because I was like oh she probably wants to know where I got it um and then I have to like pause and then I'll like give up the information (laughs) but yes I think the same exact thing yeah it's not even a thought it's just a way to say thank you like instead of thank you just like oh I got it here (laughs) and I think frugality gets this bad rap for being like people who share sales and coupons and like ways to save money on a bunch of stuff. And I think Mm -hmm. we're seeing this new like wave of frugality where we're like, Hey, why don't we just stop buying stuff? Why don't we just like stop telling people to buy stuff? That would be better. (laughs) Or just like being okay with the fact that, yeah, you're going to buy some things and like, that's okay. But like the world doesn't need to know about it and we don't need to always like, yeah, share deals or uh, yeah. Cause like you said, like it used to be so of like the sharing coupons and sharing sales and stuff. And that's being frugal. It's like, no, like we could just not talk about mm-hmm. it. Sometimes you buy things in life and like, we don't need to talk about it. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. There are <laughs> other ways to like get what you want or discover, yeah. you know, different ways to get it so because that's the thing I don't I don't think we realize Mm -hmm. it like we talk a lot about how social media is filled with influencers but it's really just like an extension of what we've already always been doing in regular Mm -hmm. life which has been we tell each other about things that we've got like and it's not just us or whatever it's been since advertising's really been a thing so if you even think my grandma has like actually a very um explicit example of just like someone in her life who really wanted to know where she got her appliances from. This is literally in like the sixties. <laughs> so, that, that was like a thing, right? So like, it's not like we've never talked about this stuff before. It's just on like a, such a bigger scale yeah. now with so-called influencers um, that I think it is important to now like sort of take multiple steps back and be like, we've always been doing this. So how can we change the conversation altogether now? Right. To navigate the difference between keeping up with the Joneses, but genuinely helping people to get what they need at a reasonable cost. Yes. It's like that that balance, that middle ground there that we've never been good at the middle. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's always yeah. a it's it's always a journey, a struggle. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I loved all of that. Um, but it's it's time to get off of the really good stuff and get on to the even better <laughs> stuff. Uh, which I think we all know what that means. I know what it means. It's time for (laughs) the The bill of the the week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. All right, Kate, as our special guest today, we would like to invite you to give your Bill of the Week. What will it be? I have this one little trick that I do in my home that makes me feel not like rich in whatever that means to you, but just like reminds me that, um, I have money, money is available and adventures are available to me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, after I've traveled somewhere, if I have any leftover bills, like paper bills from the country that I was in, yeah. I actually keep them in like random spots around my house. So that sometimes I'll just see like a 20 pound note and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like I'm going to go back to the UK next year. And it just like gives you this little reminder that I don't know, like, a I have even that 20 pounds is not a lot of money, but I have money. And, um, yeah, that like another adventure is around the bend. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. You already have money in that country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's cool. Oh, 
And right now, I have, that's a great yeah. bell. That's definitely so good. good. Oh, enough. good. Yeah. I right now I have two American dollars, so that's all I've got. For <laughs> you could do. You can stay yeah. in America. Yeah. You can. You can come here, and we'll show you what you can get with two dollars. It's not much, but. <laughs> But we can make a we can make an adventure with two dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so cool. Uh, if you want to leave your bill of the week for us, just like Kate did, you can head over to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill uh, and leave us your favorite. We leave it very vague uh, so that you can come up with anything. It's vague for a reason. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features, but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. So we are going to continue with questions from our community because when I posted in the group that we were talking with you this week, everyone had a question and uh, they were all really good. And I was like, should we even come up with our own questions? Because I feel like we could talk (laughs) forever on these. Uh, But so we will we'll share some of them. And uh, yeah, it'll be kind of like a lightning round. But don't feel like you have to talk fast. I just. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the first one, Leah wants to know in the book, you compare and contrast your physical addictions with your spending addictions. Uh, And I think she was trying to ask about the compare and contrast between working through each and working out of each. Like what was the similarities and differences between both? I don't even know if I know how to answer that, except that there's something I've been wanting to say that I haven't been able to say elsewhere. So maybe I'll say it now is that something I've been thinking about is that I think for me personally, the fact that I, not the fact, but me stopping drinking when I did, I think gave me some of the willpower to take on a big challenge like this, because I think it was sort of the first really big thing that I did where I, I did have to learn a lot about myself. Like I went through a lot of the things I talk about in this book. Um, first, when I quit drinking, like the social stuff, absolutely. I lost friends. I had to change friendships. I had to, um, shift my money around, like reprioritize certain things, um, and just start asking myself questions and a thousand percent had to learn how to feel feelings and deal with it. Now I would still say I was numbing a little bit with spending or something like that, but I did have to learn how to feel a lot when I quit drinking. And so I, I don't know. I just think like, I don't know if I have the answer exactly, except to say that the, 
the process will probably be similar for all of them, even just if it's a little different. Yeah, I could see that uh, being the case. That's kind of what I was like expecting to hear Um, because I've seen a lot of people overcome physical addictions and then like I have overcame like spending addictions, but they seem like both take a lot of more willpower and internal stuff than habits or like education or function. Yeah. And that's where absolutely like the reason to talk about why friends or just having some kind of support is so important. Like the same way Emma, my best friend was like the person for me to talk to because she always encourages me to do the good thing is the same way if you were going through something like AA and you had to get a sponsor um, or you should get a sponsor if you're going through something like that. It's, it's not because you there's anything wrong with you. It's because it's really important to have even one person in your life who can keep encouraging you to, to do it. Like, keep going. You're making the healthy decision. Yes, it's hard. You can absolutely get through this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that community is helpful to form and cultivate and, and to find. So that's great. So to move on with questions from our community, one of our listeners, Jesse, wants to know what your favorite part of the shopping ban was, followed up with if there was anything you were most excited to buy after the ban was completed. <laughs> um, I don't know about favorite part it's funny the first thing that came to mind actually was just realizing sort of the basics about myself that I should have known like I've never cared about clothes you know and it's such a simple thing everyone's would be different for that like some people absolutely love clothes and fashion for me it was so interesting to learn those little things about myself be like oh like I've actually never cared like why do I even own this stuff I've always been someone who wears like the same two to three outfits Mm -hmm. like and I could look back as far as when I was like 11 years old and say that to be true so I'm like okay like this is just a thing about me cool like good to know Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. when it was over when the first year was over there was honestly nothing I thought I would have this long list of stuff Mm -hmm. that did not happen um Mm -hmm. Uh, when the second year was over, I was planning a really big road trip around the United States and I wanted to just buy some camping gear for that. Um, because that was something I'd always borrowed camping stuff from my parents, but I mean, it lasts a long time. I think the tent that we used as a family, gosh, it probably lasted like 15 plus years. Um, but I'm like, I'm one person. I don't want to be setting up like a five person tent by myself. Yeah. So <laughs> there were just a couple of things that I wanted to buy related to that. Sure. And you knew that you'd use it. It wasn't yes. a, oh, maybe because camping sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no. Having gone through the ban, you know that, okay, this will be valuable to me. This will be useful. Yeah. There was also during the second year, I really had thought I wanted to buy a standout paddleboard. Mm. Um, and that was something all throughout the year. I was kind of looking at deals or looking at whatever and, and just really realize that like it's not a priority for me. And if I really want to go paddleboarding, I can go with either friends who have them or yeah. I can rent one. I don't actually need to own it. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's another shopping thing. I think like and just a human thing, we feel this need to own things. Like yeah. you have to own it, but you actually don't. It's perfectly okay to rent something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to recognize how many times you'd use it. How many times would you actually use a paddleboard? Yes. I love the idea yeah. of like having things like that as a group. So our friends have like a double kayak and we've mm. been able to use that before. We have a paddleboard and we've been able to lend that out to our friends before. So like yes. I think that community capital uh, is is overlooked. Like people think they, I think Jill, you had mentioned this before, like everybody owns a leaf blower or a a lawnmower, but like everybody mows their lawn at different times. So really there could just be one community one, uh, for the street. Yeah. And like everyone could go in on it and everyone could get their lawn mowed for less. Like that's a, an abstract suggestion, but yeah, that's like an option as well. No, I don't think it's abject. I think that's like very real. And it's not even, it's not even just about saving money. I think it's also just for the environment. Mm-hmm. Like we don't all need to own these things that we barely ever use and then eventually throw away. Yeah. 
Because no matter, like, something can be recycled over and over and over again. At some point, it's going to end up in the landfill. Yep. So the health, or, like, the healthier for the environment thing to do is buy less stuff. Exactly. Love that. All right. And Emily had an amazing question that I know you'll love. So many minimalism writers and creators... Uh, including me, say to like give up stuff to find what really matters. Um, but very few talk about how they found what matters after they gave up the stuff. And so like, I feel like you've tried to fill in this gap. Um, but like, how, how did you like specifically find what matters? Um, I mean, I'm going to say it's, it's ongoing. It changes. It takes, you could say, soul searching or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sometimes I think it means going through hard stuff. I think every time you go through something hard, you're reminded that life is really, really short. And I actually remember reading this article a few years ago, and it's pretty popular. A lot of people know about it. It's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm. And the number one regret was, um, like I'm paraphrasing it wrong, but like not living the life they had wanted and instead living the life others thought that they should have. Yeah. And I, I've just thought about that so much because I've, I've always said, this is so morbid. I don't even know why I did this in my high school yearbook. I literally wrote like, if you're lucky, you might get 85 years on this planet. (laughs) And I sort of just took that as like, that's historically true for my family. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just always think about that though. And like the topic of dying, no one wants to talk about it, but at the end of the day, we're not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. And so I do just think about that. Like what, what do I want to have in these 85 years, 33 of which are already behind me. Right. Like, what do I want to have and who do I actually care about spending time with? in those 85 years. And that doesn't mean turning people away, but like if you're in really toxic stuff, it helps me kind of start to push some of the toxic stuff away. Yeah. Be like, no, like life is really freaking short. And like, so not that I constantly remind myself of death, but just that like, we're so lucky to get what little time we do have on this planet. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to waste too much of it. Yeah, I think that's there's so much wisdom there in that minimalism doesn't give you the answers. It doesn't tell you what matters, but it certainly weeds out the things that don't matter. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like it doesn't give you the answers, but it tells you what it's not, that what doesn't matter is buying, keeping up with everybody next to me, having my home filled with knickknacks. I at least know that much. And minimalism tells me that much and then creates this space for my own exploration. Yes. My friend Brooke Brooke McCallery wrote this book called Slow. And at the beginning of it, she talks about how her journey really started, um, first of all, with postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. but then doing this exercise um, that was created by a woman named Roz Savage, and it's called the obituary exercise, and you essentially write like a three-sentence obituary that someone might read for you or that you would want people to read for you. And... I don't know. Like, I just think about stuff like that. Like, again, it's not to just be like, oh, let's think about how we're dying all the mm-hmm. time. But sure, th- this thought that like you only get kind of one shot at this. And if you are just trying to keep up with other people, you never stop to ask what you actually want. Yes. Um, and so I think that's really like the shopping ban we could say or the browsing ban would be the better word for it is that I stopped kind of looking at everything else I could add to my life and just started looking at like, what do I already have? What am, what do I already enjoy? Um, how can I just have that? Like, I don't, I don't really need much more. Um, how can I just have more of like the good stuff that's already here? Mm. Amen. Yeah. Great. Well, on that note, let's move to numbers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's lighten it Chris. up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Chris wants to know if you've always had a love for numbers and statistics, or did you just do this for the book um, where you kind of talked about percentage of things discarded percentage, you know, that you think that yeah. you can complete this challenge. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. So funny. So, um, yeah, I cannot say that I've always loved numbers. Although something that's like interesting is when I was in high school, I thought I was going to become an accountant. Mm. Um, and because I was really good at like accounting 11 and 12 in school, but, uh, when I took my first accounting for business course, I was almost failing it. So I just dropped out. <laughs> I was also, I was also 18. And I, I think now if I took it, I would probably do a lot better and be more oh, interested I'm sure. in it. Yeah. But at 18, that was not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I don't think that I've always been interested. I do remember having this feeling when I started decluttering, just like I could see how much I was getting rid of, but I was like, I'm just curious. Like I'm just going to keep track of this completely out of curiosity. And so I I tracked it that year. Um, I have no idea how many things I own now. Like none of that really matters. Um, it was just very much like a curiosity thing. I love it. There's something helpful about that concrete knowledge and like what you described you did in your second year following the shopping ban. Um, It is helpful to know and to be able to give those concrete examples of this is this is how much I consume. I I know the impact that this had on my life. It's it, it was helpful for me, too, as I followed throughout the book. It was a nice little tangible Oh, okay. I get, I get what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the the piece to add, like the confidence I could complete this project, the reason that felt important to me was it was really just a measure of like where my emotions were at, at, at each month, because I had a very clear record of that through the blog and journaling yeah. I had done. Um, so, I mean, that number is somewhat arbitrary, but it felt important to show that you can still go through periods where you're like, what am I doing? I'm not going to be able to do this but that you can push through them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I loved those little um, beginning of the chapter percentages. They they definitely lightened it a little bit. So, um, and this is the last question. Uh, okay. We left this for last on purpose, but Jennifer wants to know, not me, um, but another Jennifer <laughs> wants to know, will you ever blog or podcast again? Okay, so I will definitely podcast again. Um, I'm not sure about blogging publicly. Um, Yeah, this year has been so weird. (laughs) Like weird is like the only word I can think to describe it because it was just unexpected and up and down and not bad, but like up and down. And um, so... Yeah, the short end of that, I'm, I have no idea about blogging, mm-hmm. um, but podcasting, yes. I'm hoping by January I can kind of get my stuff together for that, um, but it will be different than what I've done with Carrie, and I feel really excited about it. I'm excited for it, too. Podcasting is so fun, and uh, yes. yeah, for those who don't know, um, Kate just released her final blog post on kateflanders.com. So, uh, I am sad to not read any more blog posts, but you're going to be submitting a proposal for book number two. So we'll still get to read stuff from you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, something I don't think I've really said anywhere about it is that I think one of the things I realized about blogging, especially just personal blogging, so it's not blogging as a whole, but like personal blogging, talking about your life all the time. Mm. Not only did I sort of get to this point where I'm like, I'm like really sick of talking about myself. Like I just am not that, I just don't want to talk about myself. I I want to talk about other things. Like I have ideas or thoughts or just questions that I'm like, what do you guys think? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not, I just don't want to talk about me. Um, But the bigger picture thing that I've been thinking about a lot this year is that I think that blogging about yourself on a weekly basis keeps you in a very short term mindset Mm. because I could only work on things like one week at a time. And so I had no time to like think bigger and like bigger picture stuff or just longer term projects, things that would take more time to do, but that would maybe just feel a bit deeper and more interesting rather than, like I said, like, just like, here's what I've been up to. Yeah. Right. What are some of those bigger things that you will be working on now? 
Well, even things like the podcast I want to do, I mean, I've been brainstorming it for like a year. Well, maybe not quite that long. I'm pretty sure I emailed Carrie with the idea in like February and and just said like, I think I'm going to do this solo podcast where I do X, Y, Z. And she was like, that sounds great. Like, And so I just keep talking about it and like slowly kind of working towards it. And rather than just kind of jumping in and not because I'm like, want to do it in a perfect way. I don't think that that's possible, mm-hmm. but, but just because I really want to make sure it feels like it all lines up. And right now it does. I just have to get a couple other things kind of off my plate and then I can start doing it. Yeah. Um, but bigger picture stuff is also just like books. Yeah. Like I think that there's such a lengthy process. Like let's say if I could finish a proposal, which takes time, it takes way more time than writing a blog post. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, like writing a proposal alone is like writing a master's thesis because it can be up to like 40 pages long. And all you're doing is talking about what a book is going to be about without writing the book at all. Yeah. Um, and so I'll work on that this fall and winter. Let's say we sell it in like February, if someone even wants it. But if someone wants it, we sell it in February. It won't come out until probably like summer or fall 2020. Like there's such a long-term project, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I found it. It's something you can go deeper into than just like a 1,500-word blog post. Um, so yeah, so excited to right. see what those things are and your podcasts. And thank you so much for hanging out with us today. No, oh, thank you. These were great questions, and thank you for picking the book to be part of your book club. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's so exciting that we got to interview you and having just read your book, it's going to be something special for our listeners. So we appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. All right. We out. Jill, did today's episode get you even more excited for the Frugal Friends book club? Um, duh. And next month, we're reading Your Money, Your Life by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez. So yes. the fun does not have to stop here. Doesn't. If, if you want a copy that you can keep, your own, very own copy, we're giving them away. Yes. So for every five reviews that we get this month, in the month of September, we will give away one copy of the book. There's no limit to that. So to enter... Leave us a review on your podcast listening device, not just iTunes. Screenshot that review and send it to frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. We will then put you in the running and we'll select the winners for this book at the end of the day on September 30th. Yes. And if you want to know what a really great review looks like, it looks like five stars and <laughs> yes. and uh, this one is from Leslie Ann 22. And she says, new fan, five stars. I discovered this podcast when they did an interview with Debt Free and Sunny CA, which was a great interview. And definitely go back and find that if you didn't listen to it. She paid off a lot of debt. And she has some great tips. Um, but through an interview with Debt Free and Sunny CA, and they're great. They're very practical and down to earth and make frugal living very attainable. Thank you so much, Leslie. We appreciate yeah, Leslie. you. Love it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your review. You guys can send us a review also. So thanks so much for hanging out with us today. You can hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this episode. And we will come at you every Friday in your ears, in your car, in your home with more frugal goodness. So until next week. Bye. See ya. Frugal Friends is produced, edited, and mixed by Eric Siriani. So wonderful. It was good. We're getting this thing down to a science. We are scientists. I think I think so. Like if you understand science and you get something down to a science, that makes you a scientist. I think so. I don't even need a PhD. Those things are too expensive. <laughs>
No, I think we get honorary PhDs. Somebody should give us an honorary PhD for frugality. Well, what would your yours be? It would be in frugality. Yeah. What would yours Who be? Who would in? give that? Oh. <laughs> Wait, we science? To say, oh, in science? I don't know who would give me a PhD in frugality. Uh, Dave Ramsey, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. He probably would be the one. Yeah, PhD from Financial out. Peace University. <laughs> yeah, was is that something you'd hang on your wall? Uh, yeah, I would do that. I did get a, a little thing from graduating Financial Peace University, which I did not put on my wall, but that wasn't a PhD. Mm-hmm. Is it something you list as accomplishments on your resume? No, but I come to think about it. <laughs> I think my master's degree is on the floor in the closet. So I don't know. Mine <laughs> is know. crumpled up in the closet. Not crumpled up, but it definitely has like a rip in it. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> Clearly, I did what, not. Did they print those things off at Staples? Come on, it's supposed to be like have some girth to it. I know, I know. Not, it's like it's got like a, not even a slice. I don't know, like a pen went through it or something. <laughs> not, you haven't even been graduated that long. No, I know. <laughs> It's like probably my own rebellious form of like, yeah, I got it, but I don't care. I, I can live my life without it. Take this degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This piece of paper doesn't define me. <laughs> this piece of paper is not my education. <laughs> I throw it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe I'll find like a $5 frame at Walmart. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.